if you're not willing to always be collecting failures, you're not stretching yourself. You're literally just maintaining your business. You're not going to grow it. Welcome to Sincerely Future You, a podcast for female entrepreneurs looking to scale their business by mastering their time, money, and drama. I'm your host, Jessica McKinley, founder of What's Happening Coaching, a life coaching program that helps ambitious women like you make decisions today with the future you in mind. Welcome back, Hapsters. I'm having like this weird identity crisis about calling you guys the Hapsters. If some of you are new and you're like, what does that even mean? Who are the Hapsters? Because my podcast is no longer called What's Happening Podcast. It's called Sincerely Feature You. But my business is called What's Happening Coaching. And my clients, we call you guys lovingly the Hapsters. So today, special treat for all you Hapsters. We have a Hapster a resident hapster on for you. Uh, today, we have a guest, Tina DeJesus. Tina is a client of mine. She is a chef and owner at Veg Head Chef. And I wanted to have her on the show for a while now. And we've been talking about all of her breakthroughs through coaching. Kind of she came and just really was a student of the work. She was like, okay, one thing at a time. She did her homework, whatever I gave her, she took, she nailed it. And now she's just, we're planning big things. So I wanted to introduce you guys to her and give you guys a behind the scenes. It's been a little while since you've seen or heard from a Hapser themselves and heard really what it is like and what the experience is like for an entrepreneur. Maybe you can relate to her. And I would love it if you guys did, after listening to this, have any questions for Tina you can leave them. Actually, you can DM us on Instagram or shoot me an email at jessica at what's happening and I'll relay it to Tina and we'll connect with you. We'll make sure if you want to connect with her, you can also connect with her in the show notes or on Instagram at VegHeadChef. So Tina, tell us a little bit about you, about your business and kind of what that journey looked like from the beginning until you decided, okay, I'm ready for coaching. Well, first, hi. (laughs) (laughs) So like you said, my company's name is Veg Head Chef. I am a private chef. I started my company unofficially in 2013 and officially got incorporated in 2016. And I knew I wanted to be a private chef of sorts when I started my business. I had an amazing job opportunity to cook for an A-list celebrity, which at that time I really had no right to be cooking for. Wait, this is so good. You guys, we're going to name drop all episode because (laughs) she doesn't like this title for some reason of celebrity chef, but she has cooked for some of your fave celebs. So tell us a little bit about that. We'll dive in later, but tell us. We can, who- yeah, we can answer full details later. However, when I got this job, I was unqualified for it, but I basically got it off of pure work ethic. And at this point, I was working for a couple of years, just trying to figure out what I wanted. And when I say working, I mean, like, I literally had notebooks of ideas and what I wanted to do. And I knew what I wanted and I had no idea how to get there. And so when I landed this job opportunity was through a reference of a friend, again, based off of my work ethic, 
solely nothing to do with my food. Tell us who it is. And oh, it was J-Lo. <laughs> and then- I love it. Jenny from the block. Yeah, Jenny from the block. And when I got there, I, again, not qualified. However, I did it. It was one of my proudest moments when the, the weekend was over, the five days was over. It, was, it felt super empowering. However, I took that as this is what I want to do. This is, this is my calling. I want to be a private chef. I don't want to do X, Y, and Z. This is what I'm supposed to do. It felt like the past 10 years of my hospitality experience led up to being a private chef. So good. That was, oh my God, I don't even know, 2000, I don't know. It was six years ago, almost six years ago. So okay, five, so six years ago. ish Yeah, so I think it was 2016 then. So it was 2016. Uh, and that's basically what started the me going into the private chef world. And I mean, I quit my job. Like literally, I was working on an organic farm and got the call to work for her. And I walked off thinking this was it. This was my big break. Yeah. Kind of what, tell me like, what was it that, cause I, I know that the listeners, there's so many people that can, that really like, feel like you had something, some proof that gave you permission. But what I know is that there are plenty of people that could have been put in your exact situation and could have been like, okay, cool. This was a great opportunity. Now I can work harder and get more qualifications and get more proof that I'm deserving of this and that it's going to work out and more evidence, but you just really went for it. Do you remember what the thoughts were that you were having that allowed you to take the leap? The, the main thought was, I know this is what I want to do. And just, I could not go back to the reality of working on a farm when I just came from this from J-Lo's Hampton's house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I was working in this beautiful house in this neighborhood and I was like, how can I go back to working in an organic farm? And I just knew deep down that this was going to work out no matter how or what. Wait, and you guys, this podcast is called Sincerely Future You. And I want you all to listen to what Tina just said. She just knew. Now she's not a psychic or a mind reader. What she means when she said she knew it was going to work out was that she decided it was going to work out. She decided it was just a thought that she phrased in a statement form instead of looking to her past or outside of herself for proof. Yeah, because my past had no proof. I was at the time I was working on the organic farm, but I was working with adults with autism. And I was in that field for about three or four years because I, you know, I took a break from the hospitality field because it was killing me literally. And so I had no proof that I'm going to be a successful private chef. No proof in your past, right? But we don't build our future from our past. And like you just said, right? Like when you make a decision in your future, there's no reason to search for evidence. No, none whatsoever. The evidence was in the fact that I got a job on based off of pure work ethic. So that is what I went off of. I said, I got this opportunity. I'm not going to go backwards. I'm only going to go forward. And I just knew that this is what I had to do. Yes. And in the scheme, yeah. You use your circumstances as your advantage. And we were talking about this, I think, in our one-on-one this week is like, 
how can we just decide that whatever our current circumstances are a good thing and our advantage instead of using it against ourselves? Like you could have been like, oh, I got this based on work ethic. Now I need to go and get qualified before I can continue offering my services in XYZ way, which is so interesting because the person that you served was JLo. What do we know about JLo's journey to the top? Where did she come from? The Bronx, the bottom. (laughs) Jenny's in the block. Like she respects someone who respects themselves. And so in every way possible, you were perfectly qualified for that job. Yes. At the moment. At the time. At the time. Because now I can look back and be like, oh, if I had that opportunity now, I would be her full-time chef, right? Sure. However, it wasn't, that wasn't, I, you know, a lot of other connections were made when I went to go work for her that then turned into launching my career. So it necessarily wasn't cooking for her. It was meeting this guy, Jeff, who owns a produce company, Rustic Roots, who then led me to another chef, who led me to another chef, who then led me to an agency where I started. So tell me, I have another question. When when did you, because I know you went to one of the best culinary schools in the States, like when did you do that? Was that before or after 2016? Oh, uh, 2007, I graduated from culinary school. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. You're like, I was not qualified. And I'm like, this is so interesting because qualification, like being qualified is a very subjective thing, right? Like JLo will tell you and JLo's people really will tell you, oh, we're hiring someone. Them saying yes or no to you determines whether you're qualified or not. So like how many times up until that moment had you deemed yourself unqualified or put yourself in the no pile before even getting like offering yourself up? Everything. I can think about every pitch I gave to someone was like begging, like I'm not like the underlying text behind my like sales pitch was like, I don't think I'm good enough, but try me, please. Anyway. Yes. And so this was like this opportunity of like, I work hard, people see it, people know it. And that subtext is I work hard. I know it. Yeah. Right. Like exactly. you trust yeah. yourself, right? Yeah. And people want to hire people who trust themselves. So if and we're I looking knew, yeah. for a job that's going to give us permission to trust ourselves, we're doing it backwards. Tina had to trust herself first to get that job. And then that job, of course, the confidence begets confidence. But in order to get your first one and your first of many firsts in the beginning, you have to have that belief first. And I knew exactly. I knew deep down that no matter what, I was going to do a great job because I wasn't going to to disappoint the the guy who referred me or disappoint myself. Yeah. I mean, and I also like threw up on the way there. I was so nervous. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. The feelings are going to be there. (laughs) It's okay. We're not Uh, here to say that the experience of success has to look like calm and ease and like comfort. That's not I don't think, is. I think that's complete opposite of what it is. Yeah. I think, uh, cause after that, it took me about four years to build a steady clientele list. So tell and- us about that. So after this, you decided it was what you wanted to do. You knew it. You already had your, your training, your school training. You were already an incredible chef. I could speak to it. I've tasted Tina's food. It's incredible. And now it's really about just getting the practice and getting the resume kind of built up and getting the booked and getting a steady clientele. So what did that look like? What kind of thoughts did you have in that process? What worked? What didn't work? 
So after that, it basically went into, it was slow and steady. It was as simple as I incorporated myself that following October. I had no reason to incorporate myself, no reason, but I knew I'm incorporating myself. I'm making myself a legitimate business. I'm thinking long-term here. What's my end goal, right? All right, I'm going to incorporate myself. My brother lent me some money. He became my investor. I did it. I incorporated myself. I got that. And then that was just me getting into the, the health world and meeting a bunch of people and marketing myself all around. And after that, I basically didn't really work too much. Your brother, he was your investor. And then... Okay. So after I got incorporated, my brother invested in me, I took the next steps and it was literally just a slow and steady. It was going around to every health place, every gym, every any place that I thought would be my ideal clientele. I drove around all of Long Island. I put my cards in all these places. I introduced myself to whatever was available. Any, you know, I, I always say, just put me in front of someone and I'll sell it. So if I got to meet people, this and that, which then led me to some small opportunities and to more opportunities. And again, bringing it back to when I got that job with JLo, I got introduced to another chef about six months later who then would refer me out to jobs. So that's how I started with just doing private dinners. And I was doing private dinner parties, private dinner parties, gaining experience. Again, it was still very spotty, you know, one a month, this and that. Yeah, that's like kind of what we call the the scientist hat failure collection phase where it, when some people come to me in the earlier stages of their business and they want to get systems going, I think, I don't know what the expectation is that they're, I'm just going to tell them exactly what's going to work. I don't know what's going to work for you. The same way you don't know what's going to work for you, the way to find out the best process for you, the best way for your clients to come to you. Now, we have lots of processes, of course, and we have processes for like uh, creating your action plan. But the action plan itself is something that you're going to create and experiment with and then just evaluate it and see like what's working, what's not working, right? Like, okay, I'm getting a lot of my clients from this client. So maybe I want to create a referral program. And then I test out a referral program for 30 days and see if that is a good incentive. Or I take this and I I market this via Instagram, or I try a webinar. And I just see what tends to be the thing that is going to work. And, and then instead of what isn't working, quote unquote, in the beginning, making that a problem, you're just like, okay, like you said, put me in front of someone else, get me a different way. I'm going to try a different thing. And then I'm going to keep taking what's working and discarding the rest. Well, I love that you mentioned the, the, the failure collection because I, I would leave a job and take notes of what I can improve on for next time. And I would leave a job knowing that I use that client to gain experience and to recipe test. Yes. So I knew after like the first couple of years that my failure collection was basically every job I went on. Yeah. Because I didn't know. And I knew I was new and I knew that it was the beginning. So I literally have a, a notebook or if I worked with someone, I would have them take notes for me in my phone on the car ride home and be like, all right, what could we improve? What did I do wrong? All right. You know, whether it was service, whether it was the food, whether it was execution, cleanup, what to do ahead after anything, I would just, what can I do next time better? It's so good. It took a couple of years. 
Well, and it's not even like over. And I know that, right? Because I'm on the inside of your coaching as well. It's like you're at such a more advanced level of doing this process of like evaluating, like you were talking about a certain way of like, oh, heating something quickly and not overcrowding the pan, right? It's like, like, right. And just putting that into your policies. When we do our coaching, uh, we have something called policies where we're constantly updating, whether it's a training manual for your staff or a policy for yourself. So you know, hey, if something didn't work this time, what's going to be my policy so that it doesn't happen? It can be something as simple as deciding, oh, my policy is I in the moment teach, which will save me more time than constantly being like, okay, I'll make a note of that later all the time. And then sometimes remembering, sometimes not, and it continuing to happen. Right. And, and so in the beginning, it was kind of like everything was something that you wanted to improve, but like, it never really goes away. And the same thing with my business oh, as never. well. It's like always that, that work in progress that if you're not willing to always be collecting failures, you're not stretching yourself. You're literally just maintaining your business. You're not going to grow it. Yeah. And that's what I think it's all about. And it's going to look different every phase, every year, every situation. Right now, I mean, why I came to you because I was failing and I didn't know how for the first time to get out of it. Yeah. Tell me specifically, like, what were the ways that you felt like you were stuck, like the areas of your business that you were stuck? Because I know you really did have a a bunch of like clientele, you were really busy to the point where you were like, okay, can I hire you? But next month I'm going to need to take a break because I'm booked every single day in the summer. Yeah. I mean, that's basically, so I, I, you know, I spent the first few years focusing on the food and making sure I am the best chef I could be. I take classes all the time. Every month I was taking class. I mean, I love books. I would order cookbooks for days. Or when I couldn't afford cookbooks, I'd go sit in Barnes & Noble on the floor and read. So I spent those first four years or so just making myself become the best chef I can, learning the best I can without the obvious traveling around the world. I traveled through books. I traveled through signing up for classes. So once I got there, I was super confident and I had a steady clientele. So it wasn't the chase of getting clients and cooking for them and maintaining them, right? Because like I said, I was cooking knowing they're not going to most likely book me again. However, I was getting calls back from a year ago, clients and year, year, year where I was overbooked and my back was against the wall. And I went in a different direction that I knew in my heart's heart wasn't my end goal. You know, I believe starting with the end in mind. And I kept saying, is this supporting my end goal? And I, and after a couple of months of trying, I'm like, it's not. And it's okay to give up. It's okay to fail because it's not working for me. Yeah. So at that point was when I was, I think you even call it, and I would say this myself, buffering. I would wake up. I had an obscene amount of things to do. And I would sit at my computer and go, deep breath, what do I do? And I wouldn't know where to go. And I would freeze. And that led to panic attacks, which then led to, I'm not good enough. I don't know what I'm doing. What's going on? And that was going on for a few months. And I just knew, I was like, I need help and it's okay. I got myself to this point, but I don't know how to get myself to the next level. And that's where I called you. (laughs) Well, it's so interesting. I mean, as you know, like one of my favorite or one of my specialties of the processes that we do behind the scenes, aside from 
obviously just kind of looking at how your thoughts are creating your results, which in that case, right, you're, you were, you were kind of like your main primary thought when you came to me was just like, I have so many things to do. I don't know where to start. And what do you know about that phrase? I don't know where to start. That's something you should never say because it's not true. <laughs> right. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and what does it create when you put, I don't know, in that T line? It creates the buffering. It creates the the lack of confidence, really. Exactly. The actions become doing none of the things that are going to help you know, and the result becomes literally no results. So yeah. that we, as just a policy, the hapsters know that I don't know is not an option. So it says, so you said, basically, when you came to me, you were like, okay, cool. Like I, I need a plan, basically. And so two of the things that you wanted to work at work on was, I don't want to feel scarce about money. Like this is the busy season I'm making, I'm earning, I'm doing all the things, but I, I need to be able to hire people and delegate better. And right. Like there were all the things you wanted to do. You wanted to delegate, you wanted to train better. You wanted to plan the writing and executing of your cookbook, which we're going to talk about in a second. And then also right? You wanted to have your money, know all of the plans for your money so that you can also plan your wedding, which is next year and your honeymoon and all the things and your student loans, which we'll talk about in a second and the scheduling. So which do you even want to tackle first? You've had so many wins in the last five months. So many. I felt like that when I came to you, I was very lost and everything that I needed to accomplish, which is everything you just said, was literally your offerings. Like you were offering this and I knew like, okay, this is going to get tackled. So I think the first thing we did was scheduling, which I happen to have had a document from someone that was a schedule tool. And I utilized that plus your methods. And as soon as I started scheduling, you know, you get in your head and you're like, oh, I have to break down every 15 minutes, but what if it takes longer than 15 minutes? What if it doesn't? yada, yada. So I did it, right? I did it knowing like, listen, this is going to take care of my day. This is going to make me 10 times more productive. I'm going to know what I have to do. So I started scheduling and I would do a couple of days in advance or I do it the night before for the next day. I was still, when I started with you in the chaos phase of working insanity, I would pick up jobs, no steady hours, nothing was consistent as far as my hours and my days go, right? My schedules. So the more I started to do the scheduling, I, I realized that it's really not just about scheduling your day into 15, 20 minute, whatever, half hour increments. It's about knowing that it's already done for you. So it's showing up to work in the morning and that done energy saying, oh, my day's planned. I know what I have to do. I know I'm going to get it done. And that's that. And, and how different did that feel? Like once you had it, even like the first week that you started doing scheduling and you were showing up and it wasn't like it changed the number of things that you were doing. Like I didn't give you a different process for doing the things or tell you, oh, you don't have to do this or you can delegate this. Granted, we did get really clean about the things that you wanted to delegate to your assistant, which was something that you also kept saying you wanted to do, but then kind of were putting off, right? So we had that very long TBS list and you started to chunk away with it. And then you started your day and it's like, oh, how does this feel now? 
Like what's the main feeling you felt in your body? I felt no anxiety. That's really what it is. Like I, I went to bed the night before and slept and woke up at six o'clock or whenever the sun rose and I didn't wake up with anxiety. Like, what do I have to do? Well, I have so much to do this and that. I would make my coffee, do my thing, look at my schedule. Great. I didn't schedule my day till nine o'clock. I'm going to go stretch. I'm going to take my time drinking my coffee. I'm going to work out, whatever. So it just shifted the anxiety. Honestly, it's like, yeah. And then what about the, the budgeting? So tell us about that. So what really was your mindset around earning and spending and saving before we it was started? A, yeah, it was out? the very traditional have a savings account, put X amount of money away, make sure you're saving, 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 saving. So to me, budgeting was knowing my expenses. And I would have a little notepad on my computer and I'd be like expected income, which I still do because it's just always nice to see, especially because I haven't been doing it for so long. So at least I can look back last year, the year before. However, it was just like, oh, I was like, oh, I budget. I know my expenses. But then it's like, once we started diving into the budget, it's like, oh, I don't know my expenses. Like I didn't account for X, Y, Z. Like when I was smoking cigarettes, I didn't account for that budget and, and this and that. So it just shifted my mindset in the sense of lay it all out. You have plenty, right? This is what we've been talking about. I have plenty of money to go around. You money. know where everything's accounted for. And there's no question of where's my money? Just look at it, right? It's a math problem. <laughs> Just look at it. It's so good. I, I think still sometimes like even you or others of my clients who have really kind of mastered the process of using YNAB, you're very comfortable with it. YNAB, for those of you who are just newer listeners, is the budgeting tool that we use. You need a budget. But even just like when you're looking at the math of it or the math of your day, like if you're not looking right at it, you can still, even if you're doing it, your brain can still sneak in there and be like, oh my gosh, like scarcity around money. And it's like, okay, before we really get there, like let's say, is that true? And look at the math again and just having that there and being consistent and up to date on it allows you to make decisions, right? What like big things have you been able to do? I can think of one in mind that you never would have had the luxury of doing with your money had you not seen that it was there. Yeah. So I paid off my student loans. Yay. And that's huge. It was uh, a huge burden. This is from culinary schools. This is going to 2007. And it was a huge burden since like one big cash payment, right? Like one, yeah, one big boom. settled, paid them in a lump sum. And what else what, did you do? Yeah. And because of that, that I was able to pay that in the lump sum was because I'm, I can now pay for my wedding and confidently pay for my wedding. So it was the, I have the cash for the wedding, but I want to pay my student loans. It's the more responsible, reasonable thing to do. Right. But I didn't yeah. know. I was like, you're right. You're like, okay, well, I don't want to just like pay all of this and then not be able to have a wedding that I'm obviously publicly planning for. Yeah. And like, it's normal, right? People just normalize this idea of just, you know, having student loans, right? It's just like everybody has student loans. So why not just keep that going? Those two are incredible things that I know that our audience can probably is are drooling over and can relate to. 
And what is the like icing on the cake third thing that you were able to do that all of us kind of dream of being this person, but it's really difficult or falls low on the totem pole of priorities financially if you cannot see that it's possible for you. Yeah. So I was able to gift my cousin your coaching sessions, one-on-one coaching, which I just knew. I mean, obviously I had all my money in a row, all my ducks in a row. And I felt that I had such a good grasp of money coming in and out and the whole budget that I thought it would be the perfect gift because I knew she would benefit. You would benefit. It was just a win-win for everyone. Oh my gosh. It's just so amazing. Like when I, when you told me that, or, you know, cause I was talking to her separately about working together and she wasn't going to be able to do it at the time. And then like, all of a sudden there's this benefactor coming in and I find out that it's you and I'm like, Oh, it was so inspiring to me because it really made me be like, wow, I want to put that on my giving bucket list. Yeah. Like I kind of, you know, we talk about in happening sessions and we talk about the different ways that you engage with money, earning and spending and saving and having and investing and giving. And we just this week talked about investing. Like once you get to the place where you have your earning, you understand what your earnings are and what your plan is for continuing and growing your business there. You are aware of your expenses very cleanly, not just like in a notebook, like you said, like people think when they come to me that they know their expenses, but I'm like, can you tell me what your expenses were this week? Can you tell me what they were this month? Can you tell me the average of what they are? Can you tell me what they are seasonally? I can tell you all of that stuff because I have it in reports, right? And now you do too. And then when you have your savings plan and you were doing all of that and you're saving and spending at the same time, then finally we get to go to this place of overflowing. Your cup runneth over. And what do I want to do then with it? You like, just want to give. Do- yeah. You want to give and share. And it could be, could be even in a small way of like, oh, I would love to help my mom like just pay a bill this month because I know she's struggling like anything, or it could be like my friends. I, she's, you know, a single mom, I'll buy her dinner tomorrow. And it could be anything. It's just the knowing that it's not, it's not, it's taking out the wondering of, am I going to feel that tomorrow? Am I going to feel it next week? Am I going to regret spending that money? Cause you know, like you see, you, you, you make goals, you set them, you, you go on, you see what you're bringing in, what you're saving, what you're not. So I think the way I describe it is that when people come to me and they are describing their their giving or their spending and their investing, it's like they do it and they make it work. But the feeling is like, cross your fingers, close your eyes and hope that it works out versus this is a decision that feels very neutral and abundant and kind of like the months that you do, uh, that you have higher expenses than the months that you do, like Christmas is coming up, right? So we have like higher expenses, but you're planned for it. Like you start to budget for Christmas gifts and all that. So that when that time comes, you're like, oh, the money's there. I have it. Or when tax season comes for those of you who are doing that, it's like, oh, I, I have a plan to save for taxes, right? Yep. So yeah, I, I just think that that's so incredible. So I mean, we can go on and on with all of the things that you've kind of like really on a pretty high level mastered in your business growth. What is next for you? Where can people kind of connect with you? And what's like on the table for this next year for what, what Veg Head Chef is bringing? So the next year is looking like I'm writing my cookbook right now, which is very mm-hmm. exciting. This has been on my life goal list before I even started my business. I wanted to write a book. 
And then when I became a chef, I was like, wait, I'm obviously just going to write a cookbook. Hello. So good. So that's the, that's the next, that's the plan for the next year is to be working on the cookbook. We uh, set up some serious goals and I have uh, already made moves with it and started writing and reaching out to people. So it's in the progress and a lot of wellness retreats that is next year's focus. I've been doing them for a few years as it is. And it's something that I have found that feeds my soul as much as the people I'm cooking for. So I think it has more impact and it aligns more with who I am. So that is going to be the shift for the next year. Two follow-up questions to that, because I love to use this platform for like universal power connection, woo stuff. Like you don't even know who's listening. What do you need between now and when you're publishing your book? Like who are the contacts that you currently need to get closer to that? So you want to connect with A, people who are running, who are interested in running wellness retreats that are looking for a plant-based chef or really you do all sorts of holistic food. Tell them a little bit more about that. Yeah. So when I do the retreats, I'm very intentional with it. You know, I go through the series of questions of like, okay, what season is it? You know, who's the group we're feeding? And then I pull from nature really, essentially I'm like, okay, what's in season? What are we trying to do? Like fall, is grounding, warming spices. We're preparing ourselves for the upcoming winter. We're also coming off the hot summer season. So it's that combination of the cooling meets the warming and grounding, again, to prepare ourselves for the winter. So it's a very intentional menu that I make. I, of course, do animal proteins and things like that. And it just all aligns with me as an organic grass-fed, things like that. So that is like my main focus when I do wellness retreats. And as far as the uh, book, like who would you love to connect with? What if there if, is, do you still need a publisher, an editor, a agent? I need, yeah, I mean, I need, yeah, who we got? I need everything. I need an AFA. As far as I've come across with the research, I need an agent first before I need everything. And then once mm-hmm. I get the agent, I believe everything falls into place after that. Publishing, editing. I do have my photographer, you know, so that and plus me. So it's really the agents and then, you know, publishers. All right, you guys, it's out there. If you're an agent that's listening, a book agent, you are ready to connect Tina with someone who can help her or you want to lead a retreat or you honestly just want the most delicious friggin' carrots that you've ever had in your entire life. (laughs) My experience, right? It's like, I, I think you must connect with her. How can they find you? How can they connect with you? How can they hire you? So they can find me pretty much Veghead Chef across the board. I'm Veghead Chef on Instagram. My website is VegHeadChef.com. Can you spell it for us? Oh yeah. V-E-G-H-E-A-D-C-H-E-F. I just got yes. like, wait. You're like, wait, where am I at? Oh my God. <laughs> no, I th- it is spelled how it sounds, but I don't know. Sometimes people just, they need it. It'll this also is, be yeah. in the show notes. This is me after a long day of cooking. So, <laughs> <laughs> so good. And like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really so amazing. I'm so honored to work with clients. I always just say, hapsters are come to me. They're already some of the most talented in their industry. And they just really feel stuck in one area, whether or both areas, whether it's time or money and feeling like there's just not enough of it for them to make their dreams come true. And it's so not true. And you're starting Mm -hmm. to really like learn that it never was true, but it was just a mismanagement of your mind. 
it was cloudiness, right? You know, it was the, um, the fluttering, as I call it, you know, you're doing 10 things at once. You're not really clear, but you know what you want, but how? And so good. Yeah. So many things got accomplished. I feel very clear now. Yeah. Well, so good. I can't wait to kind of just like recap this. And, and I know we have like a couple of really important sessions coming up for, for us, for launching you for your next six months of your business. So can't wait to do all that. I really thank you for coming on. And I, <laughs> if you guys even just like, doesn't matter if you don't live anywhere near Long Island, which is where she is based, but, uh, or don't have a retreat or anything for her, you should still follow her on Instagram because it just is salivating. It's just mouthwatering goodness. And it really inspires me to get really excited and like about uh, buying fresh produce when I'm like, my body is just got, gotten into a habit of craving things that are bad for me. I'm like, oh yeah, I do actually, that looks delicious to me, like pomegranate seeds and hummus on carrots and olive oil. Like, I don't know what it, uh, it actually is, but that's what it looks I actually like. And made it that today. <laughs> oh my gosh. So good. But anyway, thank you guys so much. Go follow Tina, come and join us in happening sessions or in one-on-one coaching. You guys, this is the end of the year. There will no longer be one-on-one coaching. I'm phasing it out. It's going to be amazing if you are in for our group coaching, getting really in-depth with the time and money organization. But if you want the experience that Tina had and you've been listening and you've been just kind of, I'm not really sure, come and find out if it's for you. Set up a discovery call connect with Tina. You can ask her what her experiences were like, what her hesitations were before she signed on and dive right in. Right. All right. You guys have a beautiful weekend. Thanks, Tina. Thank you. Bye. Hey, hapsters. If you want to learn more about today's topic, head over to what's happening.com forward slash podcast. That's what's happening, W-H-A-T-S-H-A-P-P-Y-N-I-N-G.com forward slash podcast. If you're a business owner and you're resonating with what we talk about here, what are you even doing? Come hang out with me over where the party's at on Instagram at what's happening, W-Jess. Again, that's happy, H-A-P-P-Y-N-I-N-G. And book a discovery call to see if coaching is your next best step. 